Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the return of the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am your host, Zach Van Norman. I am joined by my regular co-host, Amy Hood. Hello, Amy, darling. Hello. How are you? Doing fantastic, actually. I'm very happy that the hiatus is over and that we're back to some new episodes. How are you doing? Ah, uh, so much better. <laughs> I'm, now that the show has started, and also aside from the fact that I was sick as a dog for like three weeks, but I have missed you, and oh my gosh, I've missed our chat room, and I've missed talking about once, and I'm, now I'm so happy I can publicly drive people crazy talking about it instead of just yapping around my house to like everybody that will listen for five seconds to me. Yeah, I've been doing the same thing. Um you know, talking to a lot of people about it who are not, you know, part of the staff or, you know, just like my friends and family have been driving them absolutely bonkers. So I'm excited that we're back and that everything is the way that it should be. All is right in the world now. And that we have new episodes. All right, so everybody, so we're going to go ahead and get into our um, our uh, our news roundup as we normally start out every podcast with, and then we will get into the discussion of the episode itself. I'm very excited about that. So here we go. Um, the first thing, obviously, is that the hiatus is over. Yay! Can we all just Yay. be happy about that for just a moment here? Yay! Let's celebrate that. Um, and we survived it. Yes, and we survived it. Very happy. Um, so happy that the show is back. Okay, so that's basically the first bit of news. So the second bit of news is that the um, Once Upon a Time collector cards, which have been delayed multiple times, are finally, well, they finally have a release date, uh, which is October 22nd, um, which I'm pretty happy that that's finally done too because I know that a lot of people have been waiting for those for a long yeah. time. Uh, so it's it's really nice that... Uh, that we finally have them. Amy, how do you feel about oh. it? Because I know that you're one of the people who is really looking forward to it. I was starting to get so aggravated. The company, we actually, once upon a fan first mentioned that these were coming out because we got the announcement almost a year ago. And everybody was so excited. And then we kind of didn't hear much about it. And I pre-ordered a box. But then I, every time you go and check the site, it kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And, I even emailed Cryptozoic because I was like, hey, come on, I need my cards, please, I'm jonesing for them. So when they gave the official date as October 22nd, I'm so excited. I'm going to be staring down the mailman, chasing him down the block, waiting, hoping that they actually come that day. Yeah, for myself, I have not actually ordered them. I was waiting until... You know, we actually knew that they were going to be around. I say I hate, you know, waiting and then getting disappointed. So I'm happy that they're finally out and that they're going to be released. Um, it's pretty cool. I I do hope that they, you know, hurry up and get to it for season two and three and now four. So yeah. Yeah. They're behind. That's that's one thing I wanted to mention. These are actually the from season one, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because I keep forgetting that that these are the season one edition of the cards. So now we're jumping into season four, and the season one cards are finally coming out this month. So 
yes, I hope that they're a huge success. I hope that they do the other seasons, but I hope that the other seasons are not delayed, so I don't have to wait. I'm not much of a patient girl, in case you guys haven't noticed. What do you oh, mean? Pizza. I have no idea. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Peter Pizza so... is in the chat room. I, I just want to mention I actually got to see Peter Pizza. He came to the state I live in for vacation about a week and a half ago. So I got to see one of our one-thirds, actually two, saw Pizza and Kathy, who's another one-third. So always exciting when we get to see one-thirds in the wild that we hardly ever get to see. <laughs> one-thirds in the wild. The newest reality <laughs> show coming to you soon. From um, yeah. <laughs> hilarious. And then we've also got some uh, some news too coming in for uh, from Entertainment Weekly as far as who Elizabeth Mitchell is playing, and Amy has that news bulletin for us. Yes, we had speculated before, and Zach had mentioned too. Um, I know I don't remember if it was on the podcast or just privately that Zach had said for a while. I know you thought she was going to be the Snow Queen, and they confirmed that that's who she's going to be. Now, just give some background: the Snow Queen. Um, and Elsa are not the same character. They kind of, when they made Frozen, they started with that story, and then they kind of got away from it. And because in the original, you know, she doesn't have a sister, and it's almost like a totally separate story, even though that's where they got the basis from. So we know she's not going to be the nicest person, which is neat for to see Elizabeth Mitchell in that role. So I'm super, super excited about it, especially as I love my villains. How do you feel about her being announced officially, Zach, as that character? Well, I I kind of knew for a long time that that's who she was going to be. I just had a feeling. Um, as Amy mm-hmm. has stated, uh, you know, Frozen is a very, 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 very loose adaptation of the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, The Snow Queen. It bears uh-huh. very little resemblance to that fairy tale, actually. There are several characters who are not even included. The storyline is not nearly the same. So, um, so yeah, Frozen, it's not Elsa and the Snow Queen are not exactly the same person. I actually am happy with the fact that they announced that she is going to be the Snow Queen because I think it's really cool that they are mixing the Disney version and the classic version of the same story in the same storyline and that they are going to be two different people. It's kind of like putting the classics against the, you know, the Disney version. And I think that that's really neat. It's different because they haven't done that before. Uh, I think it's kind of a unique approach to telling that story and I'm very excited about what they're going to do with it. So overall, I'm pretty happy with the fact that that's who she's going to be. Awesome. Yeah. Um, very exciting stuff. And I like Elizabeth Mitchell anyway. She was one of the characters on Lost that uh, I really enjoyed. Um, I only saw a couple of seasons of it, and I did jump around. I saw a little bit of the first season, and then I saw the last half of the other season where, it was like, I think it was Elizabeth Mitchell's character. She's, like, in a hole or something, and she had to, like, push the <laughs> button that reset everything, like, that was part yeah. of what I found. I didn't really see anything in between there. So I'm pretty stoked that she's going to be there and that she's a villain um, because so many people speculated for a long time that Elsa was going to be the villain in the story, and I don't know why they would think that considering that she's not really a villain in the movie. So um, right. pretty happy with the fact that the Sun Queen is going to be there. So um, 
yeah, really, really happy about that. Um, so yeah, having I know said that, else we, you're pretty happy about. Yes, very if much. You're um, an ugly duckling, darling. Do tell. Yeah. Yes, it leads us to our next news bulletin, which is the fact that Eddie and Adam, Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, have stated publicly that we are going to get a lot of Emma backstory this season. They said that we're probably going to get more of Emma's backstory in this season than we have in the rest of the seasons combined, which completely, Uh. you know, sends my little fan heart through the roof because I'm such an ugly duckling, as you said. Emma is my favorite character. She's my hero. So I am excited to see more backstory from her. Um, We are particularly going to see a lot of Emma's backstory in episode five of this season. Uh, So I can't wait for that episode. Um, It's after the episode titled The Apprentice, which, you know, given... uh, given the events that occurred in the season four premiere, I'm sure have something to do a little bit with something that happened at the end of the episode. So um, ah! we'll, get to, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, that, or actually we could get to it right now. Um, so, yeah, for those of you who watched the episode, and if you're listening to this podcast, then I don't know what you're listening for if you didn't watch the episode, of course. Um, <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> Um, if you watch the episode, then you are aware that they have introduced an element in the Disney film Fantasia into the show. And, uh, um, well, I'm pretty stoked about it because I have, uh, I have held a theory since season one, actually, but that I did not write until season three. Um, my theory was that Yensid the Sorcerer, which is the name of the man from uh, the Disney version of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, um, was going to make an appearance on the show eventually, and that he is also the author of Henry's Storybook. And uh, having the hat appear, and you know, not only just the hat, but also the fact that it began as a little bucket with, uh, you know, it's a little trinket, it looks like a music box actually, Hint, hint, ABC, you should sell them as music boxes. Um, yes. It started with a little bucket, and it had, you know, it looks like what's water in it, and the water had stars in it. So I, as soon as I saw that, I knew exactly what it was going to be. Um, thought it was great. I'm stoked. Um, if you're listening to this and you have not seen my theory yet, I will post a link to it here in just a moment or two on our Facebook page, and then we'll also make sure that we put that on Twitter. So you guys can find that there. We can use just a few moments to get that up. But yeah, Amy, what did you think of that whole reveal and 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 what happened with that? I was so so excited when I saw that. You know how I, I was excited about your theory when you first came up with it because you and I were actually um, searching for pictures to go with your theory to when for when it was published. Yeah. So when you first told me about it forever ago, I was like, oh my god. I love it, and The Sorcerer's Apprentice was already something that's kind of dear to our hearts at our house because that's actually my son's favorite character out of all the Disney characters. Like, that's what he collects is the Mickey Mouse as the Sorcerer. So when you came up with that theory, I was like, oh, my God, I love it, I love it, I love it. And I have that music box now, and I'm like, oh, I, I want all of the things. I want all of the Yensid. So I want contact with ABC Merchandising so they can – ASAP, get some of this stuff made. But 
I am so excited, and I love that scene. And just like you, as soon as I saw it, I, like, grabbed my husband. I was like, is that a water bucket? Is that a water bucket? He's like, calm down. I don't know. So, yeah, super excited. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm so 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 happy that it's there. Um <laughs> I I think that it's yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with it. Um yeah, I'm pretty stoked. So mm-hmm. I and so too, um because I don't want to get into the discussion of it too much ahead of time because it's it is gonna be part of our recap, but I just wanna say really okay. quickly that I do the the hat and obviously, you know, the, the author of the storybook, I think they're connected. I think that it belongs to both of them. Remember that, you know, that they – okay, let me back up a little bit and actually speak coherently. So Rumpel and Belle are honeymooning <laughs> in a cabin that has magically shown up this time, um, and Belle found it while she was hiking. And, mm, um, that will Yeah, and I think that we will come to find out that the person who owns that house is Yenta the Sorcerer and that he is not only the owner of that lovely hat, but also the person who wrote Henry's book. So in a nutshell, that's what I think is going to happen. I also think that this is a mystery that is going to play out through the entire season. Um, I don't know if they're going – I don't think that they're going to keep it contained to the first half of season four. I do think that it's going to be a season-long mystery because Adam and Eddie have even stated as much that it's going to be a season-long mystery to solve. But I do think that the first half of the season, um, you know, the winter finale will end with a new reveal about either the hat or the book or Yancet or one or all of those things altogether, which will kind of be the jumping-off point for the second half of that storyline in, you know, the spring season when it comes back after the winter hiatus. So that's what I think is going to happen. So cool. Uh, I'm with you. I was just going to say, as far as a jumping-off point, now that we know after this episode, you know, Regina's, and we'll talk about it in a minute, what she's kind of looking to do, I'm wondering if maybe she might, succeed and that that's how we're going to get our second baddie back because they've already you know announced and it's been all over the place that thank god we're getting some more Maleficent at the end of the year yeah yeah more Maleficent is coming and I you know it's it's interesting because since Regina's whole thing is that she wants there to be um, you know, she wants a happy ending. She wants to change the book so that it's possible for her to have a happy ending. I kind of think that since they're bringing another major villain on board and having the Evil Queen and Maleficent on the show at the same time, that that's kind of where it's going to play out. I actually kind of wonder yeah. if Regina, like you just said, I wonder if Regina will be successful by the end of the first half of the season and that they will rewrite the book and that the second half will be you know, the villains kind of in power and kind of almost mm. almost um, a new curse, even though, honestly, I don't know about you, Wonsers, but I'm kind of done with having curses affect our characters. I'm ready for <laughs> I'm ready for something to change it up that does not involve a curse. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm anxious. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm anxious to see how that's going to play out, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen. And then we also have um, some more news, too. Speaking of the premiere, we've got some pretty big news because we had a lot more people watching than we used to, and Amy has that news point for us now. 
Well, they had come out with the original numbers, and it was bumped from, uh, you know, what the normal viewing was, So, which we expected. Everybody's been calling it. I know I saw you call it the frozen effect, where they kind of expected a bump. But then after they added in, like, DVR ratings and, you know, got the final ratings, they were way, way up for the premiere, like more than they expected just from having the added people that were coming in to see Frozen as part of the show. They, the show had the highest ratings it's had since the season two premiere. So we're talking millions and millions of new viewers that jumped on for this one. So that's which is great. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it keep this strong viewing because obviously numbers equal you know, renewal and more seasons. So it was definitely a great thing that they got the bump. Me too. I'm happy. Um, I have I have caught a lot of things, you know, being the result of the frozen effect. And obviously I do think that the, the bump in ratings is a result of that. But here's the other thing that I like too. Um, it's something that we haven't actually talked about. Uh, it's not in our news bulletins, Amy, so let's just add this one in there. Um, uh-huh. the, re- the recap special that they had before the episode aired, I oh, actually yeah. found I found it to be really good, in a, and I found it to be very coherent as far as the way that it was explaining the story of Once Upon a Time. I thought that it flowed really well. I thought that it gave a lot of good explanation about things. Um, to anybody uh-huh. who hasn't been watching the show before, I think that they came away with having... Um, you know, they did a really good job of explaining what the show is about for anybody who's new. Um, I really, really enjoyed that special a lot. I think they did a really good job. Uh, what's funny, though, is that, you know, they've, <clears throat> they've done this every year for the past three years, you know, before season two, season three, and now season four. And the more uh-huh. complicated that the story gets, the more characters that they introduce, the more, you know, twists and turns that the story takes, I know that they have – it's got to be really – challenging for them to find a way to explain it coherently because so much keeps happening. You know, this is okay. not a show this is not a show where you can just kind of explain you, know, you can't really explain it very quickly. Like whenever I have been describing the show to people who haven't seen it before or to anybody who has asked me about it, I basically have to recap the entire pilot episode. Um yes. in order for people to understand what's really going on because really as you and I have have discussed, Amy, the show starts and it was only a one, you know, the premiere was only one episode, but really the first two episodes I consider to be a two-part premiere because of how much happens and how much gets explained. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, we've talked about that. It's definitely, it, this show is so hard to explain to someone who has not seen it because, I mean, for someone who has not seen it, like I've had people come up and they'll be like, oh, is that the show about the fairy tales in our real world? And I'm like, uh, I don't know whether to say yes, because kind of, but it's not. I mean, it's so much more than that. And you feel like if it'll leave it at that, then, like, the person you're talking to has definitely not gotten the gist of the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, because if you say, oh, it's a show where all the fairy tale characters that we know live together, um, that does that does not encapsulate everything that the show is about. It's so yeah. much beyond that. It's almost, I mean, I've almost started wanting to say it's a show about a family 
that happens to take place in a world where all the fairy tale characters live together. And but even then, though, there's no way for anybody to understand, you know, what I will always find you means or why it's so meaningful. Um, there's no way to explain things like Rumbell, um, yeah, you know, the Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. There's no way to explain the effect that Emma's character has had on people or what Henry's belief in things has meant. Like there's you, you just have to watch it. Um, I know that I have a few friends who. You know, they were watching the show in the first season and then they kind of stopped watching it for whatever reason. They were either not interested or, you know, like the show, they just lost interest in it. They weren't keeping up with it. And after uh-huh. seeing that Frozen, I mean, they've all gotten back into it. And every single person that I know who stopped watching the show or, or who has never seen it is now caught up all the way through season three, thanks to Netflix, and they watched the premiere on Sunday. So, um yeah, it's. I think it's just funny how you know people. You know, they see it happening more and more, so they're like, "Oh, well, you know, this the show is on. What's it about? I wonder what it's like." And then they watch it, and they get just as hooked as the rest of us. So, um, and I'm sure that part of that is, you know, the Frozen effect as well, because once people heard that Frozen was coming to the show, they had all summer to get caught up on Netflix, and then once they released season three on Netflix and Hulu, it just went, you know, and then the DVD came out too, which just kind of went gangbusters. So. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Yeah. And I hope they keep doing these recap specials. Someone in there in the chat room mentioned that they didn't really hit on everything because things like uh, Bellfire was not in there and things like that, which is true. I mean, and you mentioned we can't fit everything. But in, in general, I, especially this one, I will pee my pants when this recap special was on before the show. One, because I was so ready to get back to the show. And then the recap, I mean, for those of us that are familiar and have watched for so long, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that moment, and that moment. And I was, oh, my gosh, I was so excited. And the music, and oh, I thought that was probably, of all the recap episodes they've done, definitely my favorite. And I feel like it's really good for people who just need a little refresher. So definitely. So love them, and I hope they keep up with it. And the narration, oh, my gosh, the fact that they had, our little troll man narrate the <laughs> Jonathan Davis, who's from, uh, you know, Indiana Jones and things. He, I, I, I love his voice, and I just thought this special was really good. Yeah, what I loved about that is the fact that his voice, and I noted this on Twitter too. So if you were watching my Twitter feed on Sunday, then you may have noticed this. His voice sounded very much like a wizard or a sorcerer, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, reading a story which, you know, is very telling considering the fact that the Sorcerer's Hat is now on the show officially in some capacity beyond just being displayed in Rumpel's Trophy Room in Skin Deep. So, uh, yeah, I I couldn't help but notice that, and I immediately thought to myself, there's something up with that. Like, they don't have an established person like, you know, Giancarlo Esposito narrating it. They don't have any cast interviews this time. It feels like I'm being read a story, and... Mm -hmm. I just that's and then of course after the uh, after the episode aired and I saw the hat I was like oh well that explains it I mean that's that explains all of it so yeah I love yeah. it so good let's hurry up and wrap up our news feed here so that we can get into our discussion of the episode itself the last news bulletin that we have for everybody is of course next week's episode it airs on 
Sunday, October 5th at 8 o'clock on ABC. Check your local listing. And it is called Whiteout, and it is written by Jane Espenson. And what I think is really, really nifty about this episode, there's a couple of things. Um, the press release for this episode, I, it cracks me up. So I'm just going to read it yeah. really quickly so that we can all kind of have fun with this here. Okay, so here we go. So here's what it says. While desperately trying to find her sister, Anna, Elsa is startled by Emma and accidentally traps them both inside an ice cave with the frozen temperature placing Emma's life in peril. Regina, depressed over her likely breakup with Robin Hood, secludes herself away from the town and Henry, which saddens her son. And with the townspeople considering Mary Margaret their leader, she faces her first leadership task in trying to restart a generator and restore the town's electricity after Elsa freezes and damages the power lines. Meanwhile, in the enchanted forest of the past, Anna tries to teach a meek David to fight Bo Peep, a brutal warlord who is threatening to take his and his mother's farm away if they don't pay her price. On Once Upon a Time. Okay. Okay. First of all, Bo Peep being a brutal warlord. Okay, let, let us just discuss that for just one moment here. She is a brutal warlord? Um, does she have an army of sheep? Seriously. I hope so. Um, oh, my God, I hope so. I, oh, my God. There has, there has to be some kind of sheep reference in this episode, or I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, I hope she has an I army think, of sheep. I hope they're cute and fluffy like the Serta commercial sheep. <laughs> oh, my God. This, uh, I can't, I'm dying. <laughs> Warlord, so yeah, sheep. I yeah. can't even breathe. Yeah, seriously. Um, for those of you who um, have been regular listeners of the podcast, a few weeks ago we mentioned that Eduardo Castro had given us some spoilers on characters who were going to appear um, in this season. And now that the news is out on both of them, we can actually discuss that a little bit more openly. So a few weeks ago, Amy was on Facebook and she tagged Eduardo Castro in a post on her page asking for a drawing of um, Elsa's costumes. You may remember that conversation if you're a long-time listener of the podcast. And um, what we weren't saying at the time was that he actually wrote on – when he was commenting back and he was answering Amy's question, he is the one who actually revealed that Elizabeth Mitchell was going to be the Snow Queen, but he – you know, it was not exactly the time or the place. So we'd, we already knew that for a while, but we didn't really say anything. But he had also mentioned that Bo Peep was going to be on the show. And uh, – yeah, now that the news is actually out about that, he said that her costume was going to be very interesting and very different from anything that we had seen before, and now we know why. Yes. We had no idea she was going to be a warlord, but we knew Bo Peep was coming. Like I wonder, I wonder if she'll wear, like, sheepskin clothing. Ooh, you know oh, what really? she is? I figured it out. She's a wolf in sheep's clothing. <gasps> because she's a oh. warlord. Get it? Got it? Do we all have that? Oh yeah, my in the chat God. room, everybody agree? Okay, yeah. Love it. Okay. Yeah, I just, oh I just picked God. it up. She's going to be a wolf, and she's going, I bet she appears all sweet and everything in the beginning, and then just brings out this badass kind of bitchy side to herself. I, I bet you anything <laughs> that that's probably. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So funny. I'm, I'm pretty sure the way that it plays out. So, yeah, loving that. Loving it. Loving it. And have you seen okay. Charming's hair? 
Yes, I have. His hair and those pictures. <laughs> I made a meme about him going to like ye old great clips because his hair is like super long in the in the uh, bohemian section. So I put like a picture of that next to a picture of him as charming with short hair. I was like, ye old great clips. There you go. You should totally use it as an advertisement. I don't know what to say about this. Let's see, like, I feel like they borrowed the wig from uh, the Winter Soldier that they had on Sebastian Stan playing Bucky because it looks mm. very similar. It's a little bit longer. Um, I I don't really know what to say about his hair there because it does not look the way that it did in The Shepherd at all. So, um, right. It's like I, uh, I, Prince I, Valium from Spaceballs. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, just, just longer and... and and brown, yes, I I agree. Yeah, well, Peter Pizza in the chat room is saying that it's a charming heavy metal phrase in high school. Yeah, probably. Um, he was probably listening to Def Leppard, and it probably was really like a Def Leppard, you know, who's totally tone deaf, singing somewhere out in the pasture. Uh, ye old Def Leppard. Yeah, ye ye old oh. Def Leppard. Um, ye, ye old ACDC, perhaps. Um, Oh my god. Yeah. Maury says death sheet. <laughs> Maybe that's how he knows Bo Peep. They met at a concert. They were both holding up like, you know, a torch instead of a lighter. <laughs> oh y'all, I'm on cough um, medicine. I think I'm delirious. <laughs> I don't even know what to, I mean, really, I don't even know what to say. I, I mean I miss talk you about guys your so yeah. much. <laughs> Like talk snack, about obviously. Like and now I'm just imagining, you know, Charming sitting there with his leer. Um, <sighs> you know you know, plucking a heavy, hearty tune. Perhaps some of Bo Peep's sheep are coming along to play backup. One of them is playing the drums. Um oh. good God, I need to get into Photoshop and make this now because this is it's just too good. There's too it's too many opportunities to make stuff to get stuff done. I'm I I can't even. Like I, I it's, agree. It's too good. It's too much. Josh Dallas, I love you. Everybody in the costume and makeup and everybody, we love you. He just, it just, it's just an adjustment to make, considering that he did not. Um, mm. Fabulous. Seriously, ye old deaf sheep. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just too much. Okay. So, having said all that, let's go ahead and get into the episode discussion um, that we were going to do, because, you know, it's like the podcast and it's kind of what we do here. So, okay, the show starts out on a dark and stormy night. The stars were shining bright, and the king said to the queen, what are you doing? And she said, I am writing our daughters a last-minute message about some mysterious thing that they'll find one day when they're older because our ship is about to sink and we have to tell them the truth. It's the only way to save them. And uh, so, yeah, now I just want to say this too, okay? I just want to say it really quickly, okay. There were a lot of references in this episode to Do You Want to Build a Snowman, which is the song from Frozen. It's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with it. Obviously, the parents, I mean, the scene that we're watching of the parents on the ship as it's, you know, sinking, it takes place in Frozen. Like, it's in the middle of that song. 
And I know a lot of people really love the song, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? But I wonder if how many people realize how actually really sad it is, because it starts out all happy with Anna wanting to build a snowman with Elsa, and it ends with, you know, their grief over their parents dying. Like, it's not the happiest song in the world. I don't know if many people realize that or not, but it's really not the best song in the world as far as happiness goes. So, um, so yeah, the, the, the queen of Arendelle wrote the message and threw it overboard, and then their ship sank. Very, very sad. Um, lots of speculation as far as what was in that message. And Amy, before I share my opinion, I would like to find out from you what you think was on that message. I think uh, we actually have a listener who couldn't be in the chat room today named Sarah. Not our Sarah Egan, it's different Sarah. Or Jamie Sarah, sorry. And she mentioned this, and I think a lot of people have said this, that they think that maybe the truth that's on the paper is that um, Elsa has a different mother and maybe that mother was the Snow Queen or something like that. Um, I love that theory. I feel like I need to see a little bit more of the story before I completely decide what's on it. I, that when I first watched it, I kind of thought maybe they were just telling them the truth that they were going to look for some way to cure Elsa. You know, not that there was more to it, but after Jamie Sarah mentioned that, on Twitter, I was like, huh, that's definitely a possibility. What do you think they were writing in there, Zach? I think it's a warning about the Snow Queen. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that the Snow Queen is Elsa with her powers. Um, and I think that it's a warning about her and what she could do. And I don't think that they are going to find that message until it's too late. Um, I think that Anna, since, you know, she takes off on a mission in this episode to go complete her parents' journey against Elsa's wishes, I think that she is going to run into the Snow Queen and Elsa will find the message and it's all just going to be like one of them will have the information that the other one needs and they're going to be apart so they can't share it and that will cause drama and conflict and tension and eventually Elsa's imprisonment in the urn um, Mm -hmm. because of we are, we are, you know, going to see that. Um, which, you know, having, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, like, how they're going to juxtapose that with Elsa's storyline in Storybrooke, because obviously the flashbacks are not going to end happily for Elsa. She's going to end up in the urn. And so I'm wondering if, you know, if the they're going to kind of go with an opposite kind of approach, and if Elsa is just going to be free and living her life and, you know, having defeated the Snow Queen, the person who's caused her all of this misery and grief and things like that. So, yeah. Mm. It definitely could be. I think Uh, There's so many ways. What did you think about the the Frozen overall? I meant to ask you before we started, like, what was your just your general, I, you know, how you felt about this episode? Oh uh, well, in general, what I kind of feel like is, um, you know, and I and I shared this on the Once Upon a Fans Tap roundtable that we released today, um, you know, earlier this morning. Um, what I felt, you know, I had some concerns, as many people did, that the Frozen storyline was going to overpower the established characters and what was going on there. But I really Uh felt like they balanced it pretty evenly. I think that the established characters still had a strong enough presence that there was no real, like, I don't think that Frozen overtook the show at all. Uh, I do think that Uh it had a nice balance. I think that it worked really well. 
you know, and I kind of, I knew before the season started that the themes of Frozen were going to play very heavily into what's going on in Once Upon a Time because they explore very similar things as far as, you know, like never giving up on the people you love and always trying to find each other and, you know, Elsa's struggle with magic and how that was going to work with, you know, Emma and Regina and how all that was going to play out. I kind of had a feeling that it was going to work, you know, together, you know, mm-hmm. really well. And I really did. Um, I will say, and I will say this for every episode, I wish there was more Emma. And mm-hmm. I wish that there was Henry. Um, because I really mm-hmm. feel that their their relationship is the foundation of what the show started on along with Regina. So I will say that I wish that there was more of those characters. But um, overall, I really like this episode. Um, I thought it was really good. I do have one criticism, which is that... Mm-hmm. And I've seen this expressed by other people as well. With all the other fairy tales that they have done on Once Upon a Time, they take the story and they do their own twist on it. They uh-huh. uh, they make it their own thing. They make it really different. For example, in season three with the episode The Tower, they took the Rapunzel story and completely flipped it on its head. Um, and I really liked that. I feel like with the Frozen storyline, it is a direct continuation of the movie. And I'm wondering how broad of a scope they're going to be able to get with this or if it's going to be kind of, or if their story potential is going to be limited by the fact that they can't put their own spin on it because they're doing Frozen. Um, they're obviously doing their own kind of continuation of the story and I think it's going to work really well. But I, I wish that there was, I wish that there was something they could do to change a few things in Frozen up. Of course, I'm saying that only having seen the premiere episode and for all we know, that's exactly what is going to happen. So we'll have to uh-huh. take a wait and see. If, so I guess it's not really a criticism. It's more of a question of whether or not they're going to do it that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a little worried, too, that Frozen was going to overtake it. I love Frozen, but I, I was worried that because that was the big draw that, you know, it's Disney's big thing right now, that it might kind of take it over. I was happy with the episode overall. I was really glad that there was the balance that you mentioned, though, because I don't <laughs> gotta go deep. I don't. Uh, I didn't want it to be an all Frozen episode. You know what I mean? I would. I would have been really sad if we had not had those really great interactions with Emma and Henry and Regina and Rumple and Belle. Oh my God! Yes, the uh, characters that are at our core that we love. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't, and I don't think that Frozen, I don't think it's going to completely overtake the show. But I, it's obviously, I mean, it's it's going to be a really heavy storyline, as we saw from the, you know, the the uh, promo for next week's episode. Um, you know, Elsa and Emma are kind of in an ice cave, and you know, Elsa is putting Emma's life at risk because of the ice, you know, or snow or whatever it is that she's created. Um, actually, I'm just going to say that Elsa is the Ice Queen and that Elizabeth Mitchell is the Snow Queen because, yeah, that just makes it easier to differentiate the two. There we go. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think it's pretty I'm, – I'm really, I can't wait to see what happens with all of this. Um, I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. So, having said that um, – yeah, that's basically that's how the show started out, you know, with the back to the recap here. The the show started out with the parents on the ship and then we see Elsa and Anna at their parents' graves. 
and then um you know Anna tells or excuse me Elsa tells Anna that she has a surprise for her wedding and they're all excited and they go off meanwhile you know back in Storybrooke Elsa is walking down the road and you know she sees the Storybrooke sign you know that's where she is and you know kind of gets all iced up as she realizes she's somewhere else and then you know, we see one of the most anticipated scenes, I think, from the premiere is the aftermath of Emma bringing Maine Marion back from the past. Yeah. It's a great it's a great scene. Um, when Regina walks outside and she's all upset, she calls Emma Swan again, which is kind of a throwback to their relationship before they kind of stopped hating each other so much. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's something that Regina is kind of taking a step back personality-wise in the way that she views everything. And she's obviously really pissed off at Emma for what she's done, too. So that makes sense that she would be doing that. Um, I do just want to point out, too, and you may not have noticed this, but in that scene, when it's going back and forth between Regina and Emma, at one point, Jennifer Morrison's hair is styled in such a way that it almost looks like pieces of Elsa's braid are in front because it goes from being just parted down the middle to a few pieces being pushed back to being parted back down the middle again. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I caught it. Um, hmm. And I, I thought that it was a great touch that they were using, you know, hair and things like that to kind of emphasize the connection between Emma and Elsa, if that is in fact what they were doing, which I believe they were. Um, That's cool. I, that was, I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I liked it a lot. Um, that was pretty neato. So, yeah, there's that. Um, sorry, I've got stuff happening on the computer here. Go away. All right. So, um, at, you know, after after Regina and Emma have their conversation, you know, Robin Hood comes out with Mary Marion. They're all talking. Maid Marion realizes that, you know, Robin Hood and the Evil Queen were, like, together. She's freaking out because, you know, the, it's the Evil Queen. Um, you know, she only knows her you know, from yesterday when she was trying to kill her and everything evil that she's done, she doesn't realize everything that's been happening with Regina in Storybrooke or how much she's changed. You know, and I can imagine that it would be really jarring for somebody to see this woman go from killing a bunch of people to, you know, seeing Snow White come out, the one person that the Queen has been wanting to kill forever, the person that Marion died for, basically, um, mm. because if you remember, she didn't, she knew where Snow White was, but she wasn't going to reveal it. Um, you know, for, to, for Marion to see Snow White come out and defend the evil queen after the evil queen was, had to try to kill her for so long. Oh, yeah, of course the woman is jarred. Um, you know, I don't, I don't find that very surprising at all. Um, I feel really bad for Marion. Um, yeah, I, I feel really bad for Marion and the position that she's in right now. I mm. I can't imagine um, what that would be like. It's it's kind of a uh, it's almost like a soap opera kind of a moment where the wife comes back after the long presumed you know they never found right. her body, so so there's a chance she could still be alive. It's kind of that a little bit of that coming into play. So uh-huh. um, yeah, I I think that that's really interesting, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen with that. Um, yeah. I think she's getting a lot of flack to the character just in general because the outlaw queen, um, people who love Robin and Regina together, and I love them together, but uh, the character of Marion is getting a lot of, oh, my God, I hope she dies, I hope she dies. 
But I've been looking at it objectively, just like you said. Yesterday, the woman was set to be executed by the evil queen. And then, you know, today, the evil queen is hooking up with her husband. And, you know, everybody likes her now. So it, it, it's a big little uh, bit of a switch there. Well, yeah, and not only that, but she's also having to deal with the fact that the evil queen has been hanging out with her son. Ah, yes. That's a a lot for somebody to deal with, considering that this person just tried to kill you the day before, um, Mm -hmm. as as far as she is concerned. So I, you know, I feel real bad for Mary. and, and, And I agree with you as far as what you just said. The character is getting a lot of flack from people online, people saying that, you know, I hope she dies, I hope she dies. Um. I think people kind of need to take a step back in that a little bit because it comes off a little bit more aggressive than people might be intending. And, you know, one could infer that you are, in fact, a uh, kind of a crazy person for wanting someone to die that badly, um, especially a fictional character. So uh, I think that that means... I mean, it makes for good TV, whether you like... May, you know, made Marion or not, the that whole story, I mean, has become hugely interesting. And I mean, whether you like her or don't like her, it's it's making for great television. I agree. Um, I, I it does make for really good television. And you know what I like about this so much too, is that. Hmm. This has happened to the one, like, one of the most honorable characters on the show in terms of Robin Hood. We already know that uh-huh. Charming is, you know, pretty much infallible, or he has been thus far. He has pretty much been infallible. Um, granted, he made a lot of idiot mistakes when he was David Nolan, but that's because he was, you know, we were cursed. We were um, cursed. Yeah, so I, you know, he made bad decisions at that point, but I think that so far, you know, Charming is obviously established as one of the more you know, honorable men, and, you know, as Sarah Benedict said in the chat room just now, at least she married an honorable man. I absolutely agree. Um, You know, Robin Hood is one of the most honorable men on the show, and for him to be in this situation, I'm interested to see how it's going to pan out. You know, and I do want to make one point about the whole Regina, Robin Hood, Marion storyline. I'm just going to make this point really quickly. Um... If, you know, as we know from the episode uh, Quite a Common Fairy in Season 3, Regina's chance at true love is with Robin Hood. Okay? We know that for a fact. Now, here's here's how I interpret that, okay? If Regina's true love is Robin Hood, and Robin Hood is in turn Regina's chance, you know, she would be his true love for whatever reason, that means that Robin Hood is not Marion's true love. He's not. He's meant for somebody else. And so what I think about that is that Marion's true love, therefore, is just in Storybrooke waiting to be found. Um, oh, you know, she that. hasn't been yet. That's what I think. That's what I wrote in my prediction article for season four that was released a few weeks ago. Um, it, I, I think that's a pretty logical assumption to make. Um, that if two people are destined to be together, then the third person is meant to be with somebody else. Now, whether that means that she has a true love in terms of romantic or if it means that her true love is just, you know, Roland kind of 
mirroring Emma and Henry's relationship? I don't know. But I think that Marion's true love is just somewhere else in the storybook waiting to be found. Um, you know, I, I don't want them to get too dramatic with it. I don't want there to be any kind of betrayals. Like, I don't want her to end up with, you know, Little John or something since he's Robin Hood's best friend. You know, anything like that. But I think that there is somebody out there for Marion, too, you know, who is not Robin Hood. And that eventually, by the end of the season, she will find, you know, hopefully find that person or find whatever it is that her true love is. And, you know, she and Robin will kind of just realize that, you know, their relationship is has gone, you know, a different way. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, then again, Robin Hood has had years and years and years to deal with the fact that Marion is gone. And Marion has been gone for like a few days, you know, by her right. reckoning. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I don't really, I, I don't see, I mean, obviously this situation is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that eventually it will settle down into, you know, an ending where everybody ends up, you know, happy. Um, right. That's just, we know in real life, it doesn't always end up that way, but hopefully, (laughs) Hopefully on our show it will. And I love that. I love the idea that, you know, Marion could have another true love and, you know, that there's a difference between, you know, being with someone and being, yes, he's honorable and, you know, he's going to, he made this vow and he's absolutely going to stick with it. But, you know, what your head and your heart sometimes wants or sometimes need or feel can be completely different. And I I like that they're kind of, they touched on that with when he told Regina, you know, yes, I, I do love you, and my feelings are absolutely real, and that was real. And then, you know, that's from the heart. But then the thinking head part is telling him, I made this vow, and, you know, this is, I have to be an honorable man. Yeah, I I agree. I think that, you know, the whole vow thing told death do us part, okay? Um, does that mean that Marion could end up dying on the show? Well, yes, of course it does. Um, do I want that to happen? No. I I don't want Marion to die. I want her to live. Um, I know that, you know, the stories have consequences, mm-hmm. actions have consequences, and just because, like, you know, some, you know, you want a character to survive or something else, it doesn't mean that they're going to. Um and, you know, and Amy, like you said, sometimes your head and your heart, you know, they need time to catch up to each other. Sometimes you're, you know, you can think and realize, you know, and in your head know something to be true, but your heart just can't catch up because, you know, you love the person. Um, yeah. You know, you want to you want to believe in somebody. You want to believe the best in them. You don't want to think anything bad about them or the possibility that they might leave you for somebody else. You know, even if you, even if all of the facts are on the table, the cards are out on the table, and your head knows better, sometimes your heart just doesn't want to accept that. So, um, yeah. You know, it's, you know, yeah I've totally been in that position. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, you know, it's an it's an interesting play, and I'm I like the fact that even though it is kind of a a soap opera story, so to speak, I actually think that there's a lot more. Um, reality in their situation than most people realize. I mean, nobody has to deal with a time-traveling dead wife returning from the grave in the past. <laughs> um, 
you know, obviously wow. nobody has to deal with that. But, you know, the storyline, it does have a lot of, of reality-based problems in it. Um, you know, you and I have both been in kind of similar situations, and I know plenty of other people who have been in similar situations. So yes. I think it's really complicated. It's not just as easy as, you know, kill her off and have the two of them get together. You know, human emotions are much more complex than that, and I don't think that that's going to be the way that it plays out. This situation is going to take some time. Um mm-hmm to have some resolution, and, you know, in the end, I mean, I'm hoping that Marion has a true love and that she doesn't die, but in the end, you know, we have to also accept the possibility that, you know, life doesn't always end in the happy ending, you know, as Mary Margaret has told us in season one. So um, I'm looking forward to to where that's going to go, uh, the direction that that storyline is going to take. Um, and I also, okay, so back to the episode recap here, uh-huh. um, <laughs> which I kind, of, I kind of enjoy the fact that we're getting into more of a discussion about things and just kind of recapping the episode, and we will have to do this more often. Um, perhaps next week when we're, when, you know, we're, we're, well, we'll save that news for the end of the podcast. Um, so yes. yeah, um, meanwhile, we have some news for you, everybody, by the way, we have some exciting news about the podcast coming up and, uh, we'll be sharing that with you at the end of the episode. So look, look for that by the end of the show. Um, meanwhile, um, so Regina walks away from that whole confrontation outside of Granny's, and Leroy and Sleepy are on their way home. Uh, they're driving down the road, and um, as Samantha Lee wrote in her in her recap, I will just read this public service announcement. If you are going to drink, well, and have a designated driver, but do not assign that job to an narcoleptic. Um <laughs> Because seriously, Sleepy falls asleep when he's driving. Who's gonna let Sleepy drive a car? Are we kidding? Anyway, so Sleepy is Sleepy Where is are the driving other down five? Exa- yeah, we're, they're, maybe they're still monkeys. I don't know. Like, ah, who knows? Maybe. Um, but yeah, so Sleepy falls asleep. Leroy freaks out. He tries to steer the van <laughs> as it's speeding along the road, and it's the same road that Elsa is walking down. Elsa is caught like a deer in the headlights, and then. Well, that's okay. She's just going to let some of her powers go, and she freezes the van right there, right before it hits her. Cool. I would do the same thing. Absolutely. Freeze it. Okay. Okay, everybody. Um. A- okay, so Amy, you sent me a picture uh, privately. Mm-hmm. Um. Is that from Twitter? It is from Twitter. It's from uh, either Lana's or JMO's. They they both okay, so, a designer actually made them those sweaters. Okay, so everybody, um, check Jennifer Morrison's Twitter because she and Lana Perea have put a picture up online of the two of them wearing their matching sweaters that they were given by Red Valentino, and mm-hmm. uh, it's basically a Swan Queen sweater, and they're side by side wearing them together. I think it's adorable. Um, it's super cute. It is super cute. And you know what's funny, actually, is I have that same, like, I have a picture of a swan wearing a crown as my um, my background on my cell phone. Oh, so do you? I, I do. And it's, like, the exact same picture. So I'm, I, I'm cracking up at that because it's basically the same thing. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that they're wearing them together. I think it's so cute. So, yeah. Check that out, all you Swan Queeners or anybody else who's, you know, a fan of the two of them, because they have matching sweaters on it. It's totally adorable. So, after freezes the van, she gets to Storybrooke, and she's walking down the street, 
And where okay, wherever Elsa goes, she leaves like this frozen ice trail behind her. Um, that's not from the movie. That doesn't happen in the movie. No. The effects so, in this episode were really good, didn't you think? I thought that they were they were well, they were better than they could have been. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I thought. I thought that they did a really good job with Marshmallow, who, uh, you know, Marshmallow is a giant, you know, scary creature from the movie. I do think that. Um, I have to say, and I I know that everybody at Zoic Studios did a really good job on this episode and that they worked really hard. There's only so much time that they had to complete everything. Um, I think that Patty looked good. Mm Um, and I enjoyed having his character on the show, but he did look a little more cartoony than I was expecting. Perhaps. Um, mm. Which is fine because there's only so much that you can do. Seriously, like there's you know they have there's only there's only so many ways that you can make a rock troll look real. I get it. So. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, that was that was my only thing. I love the fact that they even included him at all in you know there. Um, and that when he wanted yeah. to take a nap, he just kind of rolled over and, uh, you know, he just rolled over and turned back into a rock and, you know, went to sleep. <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, right. I thought that was great. I really did. Um, I mean, it goes with the movie, but I just, I think it's just a cute thing, really. Um, mm. You know, okay, so anyways, back to the episode recap here because we're not getting to this very quickly. We've only got about half an hour left. So back in Arendelle of the past, Elsa gives Anna their mother's wedding dress for her wedding, which is very, very cute. And she also comes up with this new little snowflake charm for her something new um, to go with it. And while Anna is putting the dress on, Elsa starts looking around the room and, you know, Elsa finds her mother's diary. And then she reads something in her diary that makes her, you know, believe that, you know, believe something horrible and she runs away. And then, you know, later on, Anna goes and finds her while she's still wearing the wedding dress, by the way, which I think is hilarious because that is totally something that Anna would do. She would not take the time to change. She would just take off in the dress and go after her sister. So I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, On a quick note, I just want to say really quickly to Veronica Collins Rooney and everybody else in the casting department, you are serious geniuses over there because Georgina Haig and Elizabeth Lale are perfect as Elsa and Anna. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. Georgina, Haig, Georgina Haig has Elsa's body language and body movements down pat, um, especially mm-hmm. when, she, when, she, when she was freezing the van and she kind of threw her arms out. She looked mm-hmm. exactly like Elsa did in the movie. Seriously. She looked just like her. And I right. also think that, that the way that Elizabeth Lale has perfectly captured Anna's speaking the way that she talks, her tone of voice, her inflections, they're perfect. They are so perfect. So I want to give a huge kudos to the casting department for Once Upon a Time for for casting these two because I think you have made, you know, in my humble opinion, I think you have made absolutely fabulous choices. And I'm really impressed with both of these actresses, and I can't wait to see more of them on the show. Me too. I think that they're they're both really great, and they remind me very much, very closely of the original versions. I thought they did a great job. Yep, agreed. Totes to Darbs. 
love them. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, there was also, okay, so at the beginning of this episode, there was a scene that I really want to talk about. It was a scene where um, Rumpelstiltskin is at Neil's grave. Number one, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Uh, I, I, I don't know why Neil is dead. Anyways, um, there was so much. I mean, I get it. I, you know, I, okay, yeah, I get it, blah, blah, blah. I still, I really don't understand why they killed him off. There's something else that they, surely there is something else that they could have done. Um, I'm yeah. hoping that if time does get switched around or something happens with villains getting their happy endings, that that might mean a comeback for Valfire, since that, in fact, would be part of Rumpelstiltskin's happy ending. I'm, whole, I'm still flying the flag, guys. Still flying the flag. <laughs> yep. Flying it forever, babe. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, but I thought that scene was really sweet. It was very sad. Um, yeah. Just felt really bad for him. Um, and then there was another scene, too, which I think is great. It's the scene where Robin Hood goes to Regina's office and talks about you know, the fact that he is a man of his word, will not break his wedding vows to Marion, which, you know, we we know that. Um, that's when, of course, Regina broke the mirror and mm-hmm. reminded her of Sydney down in the basement of the Storybrooke Hospital. So she went and, you know, brought him from the joint. Uh, loving that. Loving that. Yeah. Um, He's so good. I love Giancarlo. He's amazing. Yep. So different from his Breaking Bad character. Very much. And you know what was so interesting was that when Regina was letting him out of the asylum, he called her my queen. Um, mm. Really, dude? She has imprisoned you so many times. She imp- she put him in the mirror. She cursed him. She's put him in the asylum, like, at that point, you know, and then she lets him out, and she lets him out only to enchant him back into the mirror again. Like, mm-hmm. Sydney, dude, give up the goat, man. Like, I'm sorry to tell you this, brother. I'm, you know, you're my homie. I love you. We've had coffee. You know, I love you, man. Listen, Sydney, you need to let this woman go. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Because she is seriously, you know, as much as I love Regina, she has imprisoned him now four times. Four times. And I don't care if it's, you know, temporary or whatever else. She's serious. Like, oh, Regina, I love you, babe, too. I, but seriously, we need to have a heart-to-heart. Like, you need, to, you need to go to Archie's office and sit down and be like, you know, here's what happened with my mother. And, like, work that stuff out, babe. Like, you need to let it go, too. Like, everybody needs to let some, you know. I sh- Regina is proving herself, you know, and this is exactly what we knew was going to happen. She was going to take a step back on character development, possibly go a little bit evil again. You know, mm. who does that to somebody? Regina, the evil queen. Um, so, yeah, yeah like, it's, I mean, that's who does it. So, yeah, it's it's just kind of crazy to me that, you know, that she would do that to him again, Uh I I I can't even I I can't even Regina, honey, sweetie, Sydney, honey, sweetie, you all need some therapy. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. So uh, we go relationship. So in the worst way too. Oh, good gravy. So um, meanwhile, our newlyweds Belle 
well, Mr. and Mrs. Gold, which is appropriate considering that Belle wears a yellow gold dress, um, Belle explains that she found a very large estate in the woods when she was out hiking. And this is what we were talking about earlier. She said that nobody is, you know, nobody has claimed the estate, so they just decided that that's where they're going to honeymoon. Um, bit weird, but, you know, Gold owns, like, everything in the town anyway, so I don't think that it matters. So um, Gold freezes her and, you know, switches the daggers so that she has the real one. Then they're walking around, and he notices a little trinket on the table, and this is where it got really interesting. It's the little bucket-looking thing that I mentioned earlier that had what looked like, you know, water inside of it with some stars. Um, and he gives that thing a good glance, too. Like, he, he wants to know what, what that's about. But he can't because his wife wants to show him the surprise that she found. And then in a scene that I know sent Disney fans and Rumbell supporters hearts all of Twitter. Yeah. They they reenacted the ballroom scene from Beauty and the Beast. Even the music. And the cool. And he wore the costume, she wore the outfit. It was in a ballroom like the movie. Oh. It was Okay, Amy, go ahead. Take it, girl. I know you want to talk about this. Go ahead. I so loudly <laughs> when the music started up. I may have in fact broken you know, glass or my poor dog's ears. I don't know. But I teared up during this scene. I I love Disney, which you guys know, but I went to see Beauty and the Beast in the theaters with my whole family and extended family when I was in high school. So, yeah, dating myself, I know. But that, I mean, aside from the fact that the characters have become so beloved, both the originals and the Once Upon a Time versions, seeing it, in you know, just act it out. I wish it had been longer. Like that's how good it was. I watched it. I was so excited. I I teared up, and I mean everybody knows Regina is my favorite. But seriously, that scene, I just like my my chest was all glittery. I was so so giddy to see that. It was beautiful, beautiful. So just perfect. Oh. <laughs> Do you need a cigarette now after all that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh. <laughs> I need a drink. Margarita. Hey. Um, yeah, I thought it was really sweet. I love the fact that they recreated it. Um, I kind of wish that they had had, like, a little teapot there with a, you know, whatever. Oh, like, yeah. Or maybe a candelabra or a clock. I'll have to go back and look at that scene and see if there are any, you know, Beauty and the Beast characters kind of there hidden as like little Easter eggs. I'm going to have to go look at that because I I was so excited about what was happening that I didn't, you know, I did not have my eagle eyes on looking for my Easter egg. So I'll have to go back and look at that again. Um, I do think that it's great that they did that. Um, I love the fact that they gave Belle a different dress. Um, yeah. That he didn't just put her in the one that she always wore in the Enchanted Forest. Um, yeah, I liked it. liked it a lot. Meanwhile, back in Storybrooke, the Charmings are out for a walk, and they're worried because nobody has heard from Regina. And they, you know, that's never a good thing. Um, you know, Emma is talking to her mom as they're, you know, walking baby Neil down the street. Hook shows up. You know, 
whatever. And then, of course, the town crier, our friend Lee Ehrenberg, comes running in to let everybody know that somebody has attacked his van with ice. Oh, no. Um, Dramatic pause. Back in Arendelle of the past, Elsa is by herself on a hill. She's got her own little personal, her own personal flurry. Um, I love Olaf. Um, I really, I hope that they reference him at least. Um, Maybe say that he went off on his own adventure, something. Um, Something. I mean, anything. Yeah. Even if it's Anything at all. Like, you know, like, Olaf went to go, like, Build a family or something like I don't know. But he, he wanted to build a skull and some bones. <laughs> yes, you know he's looking for a skull and some bones. Um, who is this on? Um, Let's go kiss it. Sorry, that, that has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. But every time I need to laugh, I think about when Olaf is like, "Let's go find Hans." Who is this Hans? Um, <laughs> it cracks me. It cracks me up. I love Olaf so much. Like if I were a cartoon character, I would be Tigger mixed with Roger Rabbit mixed with Olaf. Like, if you ever want to know what my personality is like, there you go, kids. That's exactly who I would be. Uh, so a little bit of butter from South Park. Um, so, yeah, Anna catches up to her sister, and Elsa explains that they were, you know, that her parents left, uh, you know, looking for a way to help her, so she takes all that blame onto herself. Meanwhile, Anna assures her that she's not a monster, not responsible for her parents' deaths. That's when they go to the trolls. Uh, Pabby comes out and talks to him, and he doesn't know what their parents were looking for, but he knows that they were traveling to a land called Mist Haven. Mm. Mm. Mist Haven. I wonder where that is. Um, mm. So, and at the time, we don't know. But Anna is ready to sail to Mist Haven and get some answers for Elsa. Anna really is a hero, as Sam Lee mentioned in her recap. Um, she's totally a hero. Yes, absolutely. Um, meanwhile, after Leroy has made the announcement that there is, you know, he was attached by ice and, you know, everything else, um, Elsa is still leaving her frozen ice snail trail through town, and Hook and Emma are mm-hmm. looking for her. They are track her down in an alley, so she conjures up Marshmallow the giant monster. Okay. Marshmallow. Yeah, Marshmallow. So then... Um, Emma, like, you know, hilarity ensues. They have to run away from Marshmallow. Um, <coughs> yeah, I so hmm, it's it's so weird to do the jumping back and forth thing because normally we 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 recap one storyline at a time. This time I'm not doing that. Um, uh. Elsa sees the newspaper and sees that Bell and Gold are you know on the cover of it, and she's obviously upset because you know Rumple put her in the urn, so of course she's going to be upset. But she also sees that her sister's necklace is in the shop, so she wants to go find it. Okay. Meanwhile, we have the scene, and this is what happens before Regina puts Sydney in the mirror. Okay, she has Henry's book. The book is extremely important. Whatever is happening inside that book cannot be changed, essentially. Like, that's that's just, you know, the way of it. That's basically what Sydney tells her, is that you can't change what's in the book. Regina knows that she is very powerful, and she wants to change what's happening by taking Marion out of it. Sydney wants to kill her. Regina says no. She wants to kill her in the past. Sydney points oh. out that he doesn't have his magic in this world, so that's when she puts him in the mirror. And then... 
I love this part. She said, mirror, mirror on the wall. Show me who I want to kill most of all. Well, my Snow White fan part was just like, yes, honey, you go ahead and you talk to that mirror, baby cakes. You do it. Do it, girl. Go ahead. Uh, (laughs) I absolutely loved it. I love any reference to to that. I thought it was great. Um, That they're incorporating the movie in it again. I think it's fantastic. So then Sydney shows Regina the moment from the past when she was interrogating people about Snow White's, you know, location and that's how she refused to do it. And, you know, that right now all Regina wanted was Marion's head on a spike. And then she (laughs) walks away. You know, Regina, this is really a – I mean, Regina is literally looking at herself in the mirror and not liking what she sees. It's like the Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror, only it's Queen in the Mirror. Um, (laughs) It's ridiculous. So then, um, you know, Anna, back in Arendelle of the past, Anna has taken off to go do something, and Elsa is looking for her, and she finds Kristoff and Sven in a barn. And, you know, he tells her that Anna's looking for more frosting for the wedding cake. And, okay, the moments with with Sven, the reindeer, and his silent sarcasm, the entire oh, my God. I was, so laughing more, I was laughing more at a silent reindeer than I was at people who were actually speaking. There must be something mm-hmm. wrong with me, or they were just really clever in how they did it, because I was seriously cracking up at the reindeer. I yeah. loved him. He was so good. And it, it, it wasn't an exact duplicate of the movie. I mean, they didn't have Kristoff speaking for him, but still, just the, you know, the expressions of the sarcasm, I was absolutely in love with Sven. So funny. I was like falling over laughing. Yeah, it's Ray hilarious. He deserves an Emmy. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. That's like that. There's an acceptance speech I would love to see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so then, um, that's when you know Elsa finds out that Anna is on her way to Miss Haven. Okay, cool. So Emma, Charming, and Hook are in the forest. They're following Marshmallow around, and they get to the Merry Man's camp. Marshmallow's not very far behind him. Emma uses magic to blast Marshmallow, but it doesn't really work that well. He ends up roaring in Emma's face, which I just want to say that every season contains an episode where a giant monster of some kind bellows in Emma's face. (laughs) Yes! It is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I, I love it. Um, why why is Robin Hood and his little band of peeps living in the forest? I mean, there has, I Granny know. has got to have some available rooms. There has got to be. I mean, obviously there's empty houses. If this big old house disappeared that Belle hasn't defined. Does he have to live in the woods? He's dating dating the mayor, for God's sake. Not only that, but like you said, Granny, I'm sure, has plenty of rooms. And second of all, Regina was like the mayor. Is there really no way that she could just go somewhere and be like, hi, here's an empty house. You guys can all live here. Like, is there know, no way right? live? Like, they're hunting turkeys and living in the forest. Like, you know, like, do they want to be living there? Like, do they not want to be living in, like, buildings, like, with refrigerators? And there's and a grocery store. Seriously, like, is there nothing that they can do? I don't understand. Anyways, so (laughs) Marshmallow is going to kill everybody until Regina shows up and, you know, destroys him. And she welcomes Mary into Storybrooke, 
And as people are pointing out in the chat room, the word monster got used a lot in this episode, um, which may or may not have to do with the fact that they had a giant snow monster running around town. So, you know, it's whatever. Um, Emma tries to go and talk to Regina afterwards, but Regina poofs herself away. So um, she gives Hook a kiss, and, you know, and you know, he basically asks her what she needs of him, and she tells him to just be patient. I am happy to see that. I thought it was sweet. Uh, I know for a fact that it was. I know that it was one of Jennifer Morrison's favorite scenes from this episode because she, excuse me, she tweeted that. So I'm, and when she first said it, I was like, okay, and now I know. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, Meanwhile, she okay, and this is this scene is one that I absolutely adored. So Regina is inside her office, and she is sitting against the door. And it's kind of a split screenshot where we see that Emma is outside knocking on the door, essentially asking Regina if she wants to build a snowman. Yeah. Um, it is a total frozen parallel. Regina, you know, she's, got her, she's putting her head down. Emma's trying to get her to talk to her. Emma tells her that she realizes that it's her job as a savior to bring happy endings for everybody in Storybrooke, including Regina. You know, and it was it was totally the how, you know, would you like to build a snowman moment. It absolutely was. Um, I, I loved, I, I loved it. the way it was filmed, the way it was staged, everything. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yep. And I also like the fact that right before that, in the scene you mentioned with Jennifer Morrison and Colin O'Donohue, that she asked him if he wanted to go watch some Netflix because the whole rest of the night I could not stop saying to my husband, do you want to watch some Netflix? He was like, oh, my gosh, go to bed. It was fabulous. Well, you know what's funny is how many people, like how many times Eddie and Adam said in interviews that, you know, they mentioned Netflix specifically. Like, you guys want Emma and Hope to just get together and go watch some Netflix and stuff? And there they I, go. I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious. Like, like they were they they and the, what's funny to me is that they knew that they had put that in the script for a long time, mm-hmm. and you know, like they were making jokes about it, and for them it was a private joke, and they knew what was going on with that. But yeah, like, I thought it was hilarious. That was hilarious. That that's the, <laughs> you know when. When that line finally came out, I was like, oh, so that's what they were talking about. I yeah. I, I get that's it now. Cute. Yeah, I thought that was great. So, um, um, let me see. So, Emma leaves, and Regina talks to Sydney again. She's talking about the book. She wants to find the writer of the book and change her fate by forcing them to rewrite her story and give her the happy ending that she deserves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cut from that scene to Rumple at the honeymoon cottage, and, you know, he takes the dagger and puts it by the little golden bucket box, music box thing. And that's when the sorcerer hat appears with the little stars and galaxies inside of it. And that was the first clue that Yen was coming and that the Sorcerer's Apprentice was actually part of it and everything else. And I I was using some R-rated language when I saw that scene, to be honest, because I literally jumped off the couch and I was just, yeah, thrilled. 
Um, I bet. I thought of you the second it happened. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I was staring at my Twitter waiting to see what you are going to have to say about it. Yeah, I I was losing it. Honestly, I couldn't actually tweet everything that I wanted to tweet. I I was I was just losing it too much. Like I was going too crazy. Um, I loved it. So yeah. Yeah. All I could tweet when I saw it was the word "hat" in all capital letters. I was like, I didn't even know what to say about it. I was so happy. I was like. Hat. That was the extent of my tweet. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Um, loved it. Yeah. So, um, there's so I have so many thoughts, so many things I could say about that hat. It's you know it it makes it clear that Jensen is part of the story. He probably is the one who wrote the book. You know, I wrote my theory about it, and I'm gonna have an updated theory coming out very very soon about what I think is going to happen with that. I think that Henry is the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, I think that um, despite the fact that we haven't seen anything yet, I think that Henry is actually the most powerful character on the show now. Um, We cannot forget, everyone, that he is the truest believer, that his heart has a golden sheen to it, as we saw in the Neverland Storyland of Season 3. These are all very important factors. These are things that we cannot forget. We have to remember all of this. Um, Henry is also the descendant of, you know, uh, what is it, Snow White and Prince Charming. Um, you know, he's Rumpelstiltskin's grandkid. Um, you know, he's he's just a really strong, powerful character. And, you know, yeah, mm. there's just there's going to be a lot more to come from that, I think. Um, what did you think of the effects on the hat? Because they changed it up from the way it looked in Skin Deep. It's not the first time we've seen it, but I... I loved the way they did it, that the stars and all that were still on it, but it was so, you know, like looking into the Hubble telescope or something, the design of it. Did you like the way they changed it, or did you want it to be more that traditional one? No, I'm glad that they changed it because the first one, as much as I loved it, I thought that, you know, it was kind of plain. It looked like something Mm -hmm. I could buy at Disneyland. Um, Mm -hmm. This one... Like it's really mystical, it's magical, it's uh it having stars and galaxies inside the hat instead of just having them stuck on top makes it feel a lot more magical and like a much more powerful object than it would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. I thought it was gorgeous. Yeah, and I agree. It was I saw it and I was like, Oh I, I loved the way it looked. I thought it was amazing. I can't wait to see it again and see if like can you pick it up? Can you touch it? Do you actually put it on? Is it something that you don't put on? I mean, it's because it looks so, I mean, it's hard to explain. It's almost like you're looking into it, but you're seeing billions of miles away, you know? So, like, I'm really curious to see more about the hat and how it works. Well, I want to know what happens when you put it on. Do the mops start mopping? I think they might. <laughs> And if that's the I'm going to need that hat. I want to know what happens when you put it on. And you know what? I bet you the first person that puts it on is Henry. Yes. I bet you're right. And I bet Kay Austin's 
I'm pretty sure that Gold is going to leave that honeymoon with that box in hand. He's going to take it back to his shop. And then eventually when Henry shows up to start working with his grandpa at the store and have a little bit more of a relationship with him. I mean, this this is the scene that I'm dying for. I'm dying for a scene where Rumple and Belle leave Henry in the pawn shop and they tell him that they want him to clean everything up and then he puts on the hat and enchants a bunch of brooms on accident and it starts like flooding just inside the shop, not anywhere else. So it's flooding inside of it and then Rumple shows up and has to like use magic to, you know, clear all the water out and then Henry is left sitting there with the hat on like, you know, with a total, you know. Mickey like, Mouse look? Uh-oh. Yes. Absolutely. That is the scene that I am dying for. I am dying for it. Like, this is what I want to have happen. Um, please, dear Once Upon a Time gods, make that be the case. Please. Um, I agree. I mentioned my Sorcerer's Apprentice music box that I have, and after Zach's theory and now with the hat coming, I absolutely love the fact that in it, Mickey Mouse is wearing the hat, but he's standing on a book. So I'm Every time I look at it now, I see the storybook and that from Once Upon a Time, which is <laughs> yeah. There's there's so much, but seriously, I do think that that's what's going to happen. That there will be a scene like that with Henry. So, yeah. All right, we've got five minutes left, so let's hurry up and wrap this up because in Arendelle, Elsa is watching Anna sail away. Come sail away. Come sail away. Come sail away with Anna. Okay, and um. <laughs> Anna asked him to stay and take care of Elsa and keep her company. Um, Elsa is worried about her sister going off alone, but Kristoff tells her that you know, miss that you know she's going to Miss Haven. As Elsa doesn't know where Miss Haven is, and that's when he tells her that Miss Haven has another name, the Enchanted Forest. Da, da, da. So now yeah, the Enchanted Forest is called Miss Haven. I would think I prefer the Enchanted Forest. It's just me. Maybe it's because we spent the last <laughs> years calling it that, but, you know, it's the Enchanted Forest, babe. Like, Mist Haven makes me think of the mists of Avalon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Wind, or like chilling. Silver That's, Mist of Fairy. Yeah, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Elsa goes in the gold shop, finds Anna's necklace, but it looks broken and damaged, and she promises that she is going to find her sister. And that was pretty much the end of the episode. Um, lots of good stuff. As I said, lots of good stuff. Um, we've got about four minutes left of the episode. So overall, I am happy with the way that they balanced Frozen with Once Upon a Time. I am... Uh, oh, my. So for those of you who didn't know, um, there is going to be a Lego set featuring Elsa's sparkling ice palace, and it comes with Anna, Elsa, and Olaf figures. What? I'm sharing, I'm sharing it right now on uh, my page, Amy. So awesome. Look for, look for that there. Awesome. Um, for anybody else who is interested, if you're in the chat room, I will post that link right now. Cool. And before we share our big news, too, I do have to say I have a daughter, a stepdaughter named Anna, and today is her birthday. So I love you, Ani Bonani, and happy birthday. I just want to make sure I got to talk. Anna, I have met you before. You're a pretty cool kid. I like you. So happy <laughs> birthday to, to Anna. You're, you're a sweetheart. And uh, stay away from France. Um, yes. <laughs> 
that's what that's yeah, Amy, you know what I'm talking about. Keep on going. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah, I'm just excited. So now let's get to it. Let's share the big news that we have with ev- for everybody because we've only got about two minutes left. So for those of you who are regular listeners of the podcast, then you may be aware of our friend Ashley Benson. She is a fellow staff member with us at Once Upon a Fan. She covered Dragon Con for us. She co-hosted uh, the podcast with me a couple weeks ago when Amy was sick, and she has also called in a few times to, uh, um, to kind of share her opinion. Uh, we are very excited to announce that starting next week, Ashley will be joining us as a regular on the show. She is going to be our third host on the podcast. We want to try and change it up this season and offer a third perspective. And we really enjoy Ashley. Um, I love her. She's my sister. So... Um, <laughs> We're really, really stoked that she's going to be coming on the podcast and joining us as a co-host, and you will see her, as I said, starting next week. Yes, we're very excited. I love Ashley. I've met her in person twice before at cons. She is absolutely fantastic. I'm sure you guys have seen her pictures and her spoiler TV stuff and her granny cosplays. I mean, she is such a sweetheart and so funny. We just love her, and I'm so excited that she's going to come on with us and chat. I don't know if we'll ever get any any actual uh, work done now with us laughing and being hysterical, but we're very, very excited that she's coming on board. Yeah, for, we're, there's going to be a lot of laughter involved now. So, um. <laughs> Not that there isn't already, because <laughs> we can always use yeah. more. But, yeah, that's about that. So, everybody, that's pretty much it for our show. We've only got about 30 seconds left, I think, Um, 10 seconds left. And also, we will be back next week on Tuesday at 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern time. This is not going to be a regular thing on Wednesdays. We are going to be back on Tuesdays. We just had some scheduling conflicts this week, so that's pretty much it. That's it for our show, everybody. We're very excited for season four. Hope you'll stick with us for the podcast as we keep going on, and we will talk with you all, including Ashley, starting next week. Bye, guys. Bye.